0: This episode is brought to you by Facebook Gaming. Facebook Gaming is building the world's gaming community by helping game makers, developers, and publishers to build, grow, and monetize their games. They do do this by providing research-based insights, in-depth case studies, as well as a wide variety of educational materials. A recent example of this is Games Marketing Insights for 2021, a report that has just been released and is available to download for free right now. Of course, Facebook Gaming also helps developers and publishers of all sizes to deploy powerful UA and monetization strategies through a range of innovative solutions designed for games marketers in every corner of the industry. Go to fb.gg forward dof for in-depth educational materials, including playbooks, webinars, blogs, and reports, as well as great video content. It's easy to make good choices when you have good insights, right? Well, AppSlyer's open platform provides the measurement, analytics, engagement, and fraud protection technologies you need to get the answers to all of your questions and make good choices for your business and customers. Is customer privacy important for you? Good. With AppSlyer, you can accurately measure your marketing while protecting customer privacy, bringing in New customers is great, getting accurate insights while protecting your customers' privacy is even better. AppSlyer's privacy-preserving measurement and cost aggregation technologies give you insights you can count on across channels, platforms, and devices. And here's something we all agree on. When it comes to the marketing, you should only pay for what works. AppSlyer's incremental lift testing makes it easy to make good choices for your marketing budget through accurate, unbiased insights into the true value of your marketing outcomes. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great, go to appslyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve.
1: We pretty much use just about every single product that uh, Iron Source
2: offers. We're, we're completely integrated with the platform. Of course, the mediation products, all ad, ad products, and the company that can assist us in doing UA and monetization and all the uh, additional products that come along with it. It takes a lot of uh, headache away from us, it takes a lot of the hard,
1: busy work off of our hands, having a kind of an all in one platform.
0: You just heard Andrew Stone. He's the CEO at Random Logic Games, who use Ironsource's platform to grow their games in the smartest way possible. If you want to grow like Random Logic, you can get the SDK on Iron Source's website. That's ironsrc.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to This Week in Games, 190, uh, 149, not 94. Uh, We've got three topics today to cover. Number one, we're going to talk about what we were supposed to talk about yesterday until my internet died. And that was Supercell's Everdale, a genre definer or a pretty looking social appointment system. Number two, we're going to talk about Nifty Games adding $38 million to its coffer for sports clash mobile games. And number three, this is fantastic, Ax- Axie Infinity's $1.2 annualized revenue overtakes Candy Crush's 2020 total revenue. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Uh, we got the crew today, Adam Telfer, Eric Kress, myself, Mishkiatkov, and Eric Suford is out doing important business. How's everybody doing?
1: Yeah. Sorry I missed last week. Seemed like a very exciting week. Uh, I really would have appreciated (laughs) being able to jump all over your crappy internet, but that was about it.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. So this, this whole internet thing, like they, in my neighborhood, they started advertising this new, uh, it's called like a stationary 5g connection. And they started advertising, just putting like signs on the law, like, like 1920s type of advertising. I'm like, I don't need to improve my 5g. It's fine. And lo and behold, it only takes about a month. (laughs) for my 5g to start dying and they're like hey do you want to have this extra you know chinese-made huawei box installed on the side of your your house to get better reception so you can actually have a wi-fi i was like well i guess i need to pay for that so now i have that type of box the internet is perfect shout out to huawei for doing amazing hardware (laughs) but but is it is it that's
2: not the story you told me the story was that all your Finnish friends are just humiliated that the Finland can't get fucking good internet. Right. So you yeah. had to figure yeah. out an upgrade, yeah. right? So you had to, you have to research apparently... it to, to save face for your peeps. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but like, isn't that just cell phone internet? So you just like upgraded your cell phone internet at your house. Do you run like your yeah, entire basically. house off cell phone internet?
0: Uh, so yeah, it, it has, I don't know what was going on. Like, honestly, I don't know. It was just like, suddenly the signal was just starting to disappear and there was like breakages and, and whatnot. And, and it's the same provider and listen, I appreciate a player, so I bought bought their stock. I was like, "That's a that's an Apple style move. I like this," so I bought some stock of this uh, this company. That's,
1: that's <laughs> how you want to make your investment decisions. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Go no ahead. one's
2: buying Chinese stocks right now, dude. No one's buying Chinese
1: stock. Uh, no, like, like at, at like my, my house, we've got we've got solid Canadian internet. I've got Cat eight wires going through my house. I am wired in, right? Yeah, I, I'm, so am I. Yeah, I do not want to. Play with internet, especially if I'm on it all day.
0: Got to save those seconds, (laughs) right?
2: I got. I think I got a a 900 uh, megabit connection right now.
0: Now you guys are flying. I think I'm a gigabit. I think
2: I'm actually faster than Eric. I'm a gigabit. All right. I'm close to there, but I don't think I've got. I'll do a speed test just so we know for sure how good the internet is (laughs) in California. I'm not going to do it during the
1: recording, though. You might. (laughs) We might lose you during that speed (laughs) test no
0: all right let's let's jump into to the updates we've got a hard stop today so we're gonna run through we got three fantastic articles so i want to start off this update that i'm hooked to beat star by space ape i think it's a super fun game i've been playing it for now 24 hours so don't don't ask me too much about the meta and so forth uh what's interesting about this is that i was following how it launched i mean it launched like a supercell game it has supercell id in- integrated into it all the key Supercell franchises made songs for this game to have to have integrated songs from the Supercell IP. So, I mean, there's Brawl Stars song, there's Hay Day song, there's Clash Royale song, there's even Clash of Clans song. And then at some point you get to, like, if you connect your Supercell ID, you get that song into your, your playable and so forth. Um, major push. And I think it's been live for a week or two. They have 3.6 million installs. And I know that... Uh, based on deconstructor of fun Slack, there was a lot of like, you know, first impression was a little bit salty just because, uh, <laughs> because we're old. Like, I'm not gonna install a, a, like some kind of a music game. Get out of here! And then when people install, they're like, yeah, this is actually really fun. It's fun to play with your headphones on, and it's just like it's a it's a really fun game. Um, so 3.6 million installs till date. Unfortunately, revenue is about quarter of a million till date. Uh, net revenue. Uh, the revenue per download on iphone is increasing it's close to 50 cent at the moment android is not really following the same same pattern but but iphone seems to be climbing in terms of revenue per download so <laughs> we'll keep playing i hope this game does well uh, as always we wish space ape all the best and they are trying all the different genres so uh we are always saying like you should focus on one but hey if they hit this out of the park then then they're kind of like the, uh, the proof that maybe. You know, there are some studios that can do everything. So we'll see what's, what's going to happen. But definitely a fun game. We we'll <laughs> yeah. recommend everybody to download it.
2: It's making seven. Dude, it's making seven cents per download, dude. <laughs> Come on, dude. Yeah, but I feel cool. I mean, like we, we should just at,
0: break it down. You have to break it down. Like that. <laughs> I feel <laughs> no, like we should br- just, just it worried down because he, <laughs> we got called
1: out before for making fun of uh, um, Boom Beach Frontlines. Now we have to now we got to prop up space safety
2: no no 14 sense in the remember. us dude come on let's move on because this, this game's going nowhere dude. download just this goes.
0: game it's really fun like don't don't sleep on this. Like, i, I it's, think it's, it's too actually. early to
1: call on rpi and also like they must yeah. make money from ads too right there must be a percentage. yeah yeah
0: there's a there's a there's a normal ad revenue component it's um it's, it's just the one that you can go to a store and watch i don't think it's it's as massive like they mm-hmm. don't don't they don't push it that much but i would say it makes you know probably 20 percent of all the revenue but it has like a Clash Royale style meta and it's, it's hooking. Like I, I've been, I've been playing it quite a while, enjoying it. It's really, really All hard. Right. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just fun. Anyway, right, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, audio raises 1 million for audio ads for games. Uh, this round was led by a powerful play ventures uh um one of the best investors in the uh (laughs) industry you might be a bit biased there right (laughs) hey you should this is this is absolutely biased biased podcast (laughs) make sure your bias is clear when
1: we're talking about investments like this you're just yeah (laughs) Uh, bit whore dude no no but you're you are a part of play ventures aren't you like you're oh
0: yeah that's true true. you just realized it i just forgot i was just reading the news and i was trying to be objective Anyway, so what audio does is they create new kinds of personalized ads for mobile games that don't disrupt gameplay. Uh, so basically, you know, video ads, playable ads, all of those are really disruptive to your flow and and they break it. So audio ads, you can continue playing and hear the, uh, the message. And of course, as podcaster, definitely see the value in this one and, um, and actually jumped in as an angel investor. Normally, I don't say where I'm angel investor, but this was actually public now so uh i invested my own money just because i think this is a great idea and the team is so good so um you know nothing but the best for audio team of course uh, tied to their success Uh that
2: jesus yeah. I, I i feel i feel a little dirty you know not <laughs> only are you above a plate we're, we're, we're talking about nfts and now
1: we're talking about nfts <laughs> being pump and dump schemes and here we go let's talk about audio.
0: <laughs> listen i i think audio ads is the next thing like like i just I don't know i i listen to audio ads all the time when, when i'm listening through the podcast so i kind of wonder why they don't exist in games and now there's a company that's actually focusing on it so i think it's just a it's just a smart idea i don't know what to say like i don't, I don't have any other thinking behind <laughs> let's it let's move on let's move uh, on let's <laughs> move on okay so we talked about china and a bunch of things with with how they're restricting the amount of time you can play games but now they are restricting the amount of time you can work on games as well as other things so Uh, according to this 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 uh, title employers can't require player people to work 72 hours a week China's High Court says so workers in China have earned a victory over employers in oh that's an uh, that's a hard English word Onarious work schedules as the Supreme People's Court says a common schedule that requires people to work 12 hours a day for six days a week is illegal and of course we know the Chinese studios have this brutal nine nine six working schedule. So you come at nine, you leave at nine, six times a six days a week. And in recent years, several workers' deaths have been linked to these schedules, which are common in tech industry. And frankly, I'll be honest. I support this not only from the perspective of a lazy Western developer. I mean, we're all lazy compared to compared to these, these working schedule. But even just from the point of view of people working there, I mean, uh, with, with such a crazy hours, I know that the churn rate of people inside the companies is really high. Like back in the days, I remember that that 50% of the people were leaving a company inside the years in a gaming company. So uh, I hope that they get to a position where it's more sustainable. And through that, you can have actually people, you know, staying for the company for a longer time and, and actually enjoying enjoying their time. And, and of course, it's clearly extremely damaging to individuals. I mean, we see people, you know, committing suicide or dying, so. <laughs> So this I'm is China.
2: What do you think happens in China? I mean, come on.
0: Whatever. Let's. What? You, well, I hope, I hope good <laughs> things happen for this. So this is. A, I mean, it's a big thing. It's a. It's a high court is ruling that this is illegal. So. So it's um you know hoping hoping all the best and um finally we did a podcast came out earlier this week uh, secrets to successful cross promotion so of course with IDFA it's harder to acquire so that has led to a lot of consolidation. And when you consolidate, you acquire a new audience, and of course, the next step is really to maximize the player's LTV, and and that is probably the easiest way to do through cross promotion. And I think this was an interesting podcast. If you haven't listened to it, just go back and check it out. We talk about segmentation. You know, a lot of uh, so uh, with Yuval Yosefi, who is the media department lead at Playtica, So she just she explains how like what kind how they do segmentations what kind of players they target, who they don't target, who are the best players to be targeted with cross-promotion. She talks about the different kind of tools that they use. She talks about native versus ad monetization, as well as going down to like tips and tricks of what has worked for them. Uh, one of the most interesting part is she talked about how they promoted a solitaire game inside a puzzle game. So uh, they have, I forgot what the solitaire game names is, one of the top grossing. And then the uh, the puzzle game is Best Fiends by Seriously. And what they did is they used the seriously characters from that puzzle game uh, in ads for the solitaire game, and through that kind of doubled the IPM, uh, so installs per thousand impressions, and were able to to cross promote successfully because they kind of were familiar with the new game that they're trying. So all kinds of like strategic level stuff as well as um, t- tips and tricks in that podcast. So I suggest you check it out.
2: Yeah, you know I listened to the podcast. I I was a little bit. I didn't really quite get exactly what like portion of their spend is related to it um, cross promotion, right? Yeah. So uh, how, what what is the what is the how significant is it for them? I mean, Platica, there it's Platica, yeah. Platica is yeah. really smart, as from my, all I understand. But they also have only really social casino that matters, right? So, oh, no, do not do they do cross promotion on social? I, you didn't ask the right questions, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think there was more information we could have got out of that to get a little bit more clarity as to whether cross is actually
0: you, a significant you, part of it. If you think this mix. podcast is edited, think about a podcast with a public company. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to ask the
2: tough questions though, and just tell them you know if they don't answer it, that's something that's telling you something, right? All right, yeah. moving
0: on. I didn't All ask right. more questions, but that's a that's a good one. So should have asked more, but it seems like it's a it has a more strategic level and and I think it's very small.
2: How about that? If I were to guess, it's very very small. I, the idea of them moving people from one social casino game to another just seems really not not smart. And she they, actually said that to some degree no. is that you see cannibalization, but also. Um, you know reduction the,
0: the key was less, not like, really from social from one social casino to another like why I think Platica was perfect for this this podcast was that they're actually moving across the genres and that was really interesting
2: yeah but they're not that's they're, no that's no that's but, no but even the, uh,
0: the seriously example was across the genre so you're moving from puzzle to solitaire
2: well that's still casual i'm talking about from like puzzle to social casino or uh-huh. social casino to like core like, I still think that that is not a successful me- mechanism. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm just speculating based on That's upon... a good question. Yeah. Yes. Anyway,
0: all right. Let's take a little break and talk about how to boost your live ops. Now, we all know that you need great people and fantastic tools to get the most out of your live games. And I'm sure you got the people part covered. But how fantastic your, tru- your tools truly are. Well, listen, if your game is made with Unity, you need to check out Beamable. Beamable is like an operating system for live games built in Unity. Beamable simplifies everything from updating your game to selling all those cool in-game items with special offers. And when it comes to live events and competitive features like leaderboards, Beamable got you covered. And Beamable is not only for your product folks. With visual prefabs for Unity and the ability to keep all to keep all your server code in C#, means life is simpler for your programmers and most importantly you'll get to the market faster. If much lower cost of development and efficiency of operations is your jam, then Beamable is your toast. Go to Beamable.com because Deconstructor of Fun told you so. Uh,
1: soft launches. Let's go Telfer. Yeah, so let's go through some soft launch tracking. So one is on Everdale, which will cover um, an article on um, in this podcast. Right now it's tracking towards 54 cents in Canada after about 15 days. Um, I'm comparing Eesh. it to Hustle Castle. It was 80 cents at this time, um, and like 30 was Heyday, And I think SimCity Builder was a little bit higher than that. Uh, and I think really the key is whether this RPI, um, whether it flatlines or will it, whether it can continue to grow um, and at least surpass Hustle Castle. Um, Marvel Future Revolution, US RPI is now reaching about $2. Um, comparing it to like Brazil, which I think was um, a recent western attempt at action rpgs that was a buck 76 and then when comparing just in general of CCRPGs, rpgs you're looking at seven dollars for afk arena 17 dollars for genshin at this point um and really it's, it's just the flattening of that rpi it seems like it's slowly growing so it looks like um they'll be able to get some some ltv but i think it's just another kind of uh pin in that action rpg space just not being able to compete against CCRPGs rpgs in ltv
2: yeah i i I've been playing the game. I'm I'm only I think I'm level forty or fifty or something like that for Spider Man. By the way, Spider Man and Black Widow are evidently the best characters. But um, it is a it is a HD content treadmill, man. It is like the most <laughs> insane amount of development I would imagine to keep building stuff for that and the trend. The, I think the two worries I have the most are, first, the, the revenue trend is what you said, is they basically flatline to declining very quickly, right? Which basically means people are getting through the content most likely and not needing to spend on anything additional. I don't know what the Elder game looks like because I just haven't gone that far. But the second thing that scares me is the downloads are not that interesting. Like, it's only done like 10 million downloads, right? This is marble, right? It's like, what is going I mean, and, and at this RPI level, you can't spend against it. So it's like, you know, how can they scale it? You know, I I, I would you would hope that Marvel would get a little bit more love from the down, downloads. Maybe it's just because of Apple's terrible store, not featured enough or
0: whatever. I don't know. Maybe, but maybe it's, because it's, there's like 25 Marvel games.
2: Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, but if they get the right featuring, I, I just think Apple Store is kind of broken from that perspective.
1: So you, maybe, you just maybe think like the the IP and the the quality, right? Like this is basically a PC console game that you'd be yeah, able to get um crazy amounts of downloads right like
2: and this is what apple wants yeah. apple wants them to create you know um what is the right word uh you know hardware uh, yeah, yeah, I
1: yeah,
2: another word. yeah he, hardware obsolescence and these games are the ones that actually do it you know and so they should be promoting the crap but i just think the store itself is absolutely unpromotable like i don't think you just have that kind of download stuff anymore from the store as we've talked about many times but anyway, Genshin is always up there, right? And that continues to do well. well I can't marvel. I, yeah. I, sorry. My fundamental belief is that this type of game is off-putting to people, right? Just the look of it is not something that people are
1: interested in in the West. Not even question of what, what the brand but is. But they're right. doing the best um, they can as a bait-and-switch that this feels like an open-world um, right, right, console right. game that you can play on mobile. But it still turns into what I feel like a, a Korean MMO right? Like it, it turns yeah. into a lineage yeah. instead of it turning I... into like a Genshin impact that it feels like an open world action RPG.
2: Right. I, I think, you know, lineage is going to outperform this thing. No, that's not possible. But on the revenue basis, it will.
1: I don't know I haven't played it long enough to, to get a, a solid perspective. I, I need to do that. Um, on Just play Beatstar. Sorry, go ahead. What? Just play Beatstar. <laughs> sorry, I think this is a little bit more relevant uh, for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he yeah. says a great game for the model that they're going after it's just not yeah. super relevant for what i'm working on <laughs> what a terrible name dude uh, <laughs> um <laughs> I, I didn't say that i think it's fine uh anyways Clash quest um the other supercell game because it that came out about two months ago right um oh, I canadian rpi is now flatlining around one dollar thirty um two months after launch comparing it to, the, to empires and puzzles which i think is the high-end comp here they were at two thirty, and Legend of Soul Guard, which I think is a low end comp, it's about buck forty. Um, so it looks like, at least from Clash Quest's perspective, that they're probably going to do further work. Likely, um, you know, combination of retention and monetization issues there. Um, so hoping that wow. uh, they can work on that because I, I think the core gameplay is great. I think you just need to add more depth in terms of gameplay modes. Uh, wow. Yeah, nice.
2: said, yeah, that's, yeah that's not good, dude. Uh, the revenue is just through the floor. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I find off-putting in Clash Quest the fact that I can't choose my my troops when I go to a level. Like, it just gives me the, uh, the pre-selected, like, you can only use Barbarians and Wizards and mm. Knights in this one. Like, I can't, you know, switch them around. So, I don't know. Like, these, these type of small things and just off-putting for me.
1: Mm, wild Rift. So, going back to our bet. Um, so, since the launch in March, and looking only at the west so this is the filter that we're doing for our bet it's now reached about 26 and a half million net revenue on 19 million downloads so that's roughly about a buck 40 rpi which i think is higher than we all expected at that point and it's tracking like if you just kind of forecast out the current trend it's going to track towards somewhere around 50 met, 50 million net revenue uh for the year um that's what i've got but who wins me right I think it's I think it's between you and me again. Same thing as Claude. Okay. Yeah. Mishka was yeah, low and good. Joe was high. Yeah. 50 yeah, million
2: mice nuts. Hundred. Oh, ah, yeah. And Mishka said a billion. <laughs> 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 this is a Brian <laughs> fanboy.
0: <laughs> Listen, I'm <laughs> all about the billions. Anyway, so let's talk about the second talk about another game that should be making a billion, and that is Super Saro's Evil Dale. So the game entered selected key markets 11 months before under a different name called valleys and villages and under a fake publisher account and that speaks volumes of two things so first of all it speaks that supercell is you know more modern in the ways they're soft launching games because they're not only going on ios canada like they did before but now they are actually testing the game earlier with the audience that is not knowing that they're playing Supercell games, so they're game, getting much more objective view of how the game would perform. And this also allows them to test more games than they actually announced. But the fact that they, they did announce this game, in my opinion, speaks volumes of their confidence in this title, because why would they do so after 11 months? Uh, at the same time, as we said, the the RPIs are not really soothing the confidence. You know, it's Valleys and Villages were doing about 0.8 cent, uh, cents, download uh, compared to you know klondike adventure was was doing almost ten dollars heyday was doing almost five dollars and and even township was earlier on doing uh one dollar thirty cents the game loop in everdale is pretty much following heyday uh, you gather resources, you manufacture these resources and different items, you complete the orders, and that allows you to build and upgrade. Uh, there's one major difference in terms of the uh, the economy and the way it's set up. There is no player to player trading, and sort of a three unique selling points in Everdale, and we wrote about this with Javier Barnes. Uh, number one is the villagers. So this is the pacing mechanic in the game. You get more and more villagers, and you do the micromanagement, um, and that kind of puts you in a it incentivizes you to, to to build your village in a way that there's minimum amount of time as the villagers go to, from one point to another, but it's actually not that significant saving of time. Uh, so it's not really a placement puzzle like a typical city builder, say SimCity. Uh, and then the engagement that the Everdale demands due to these villagers is somewhat of an anomaly. Uh, you have to log in countless of times for these kind of short micromanagement sessions. And you can't really choose the timers like you would do in Heyday, like what you want to do, and then you know when to return. It's more like you have to do this and everybody's on a set timer and, and you basically have to come back all the time to to unlock these different production um, bottlenecks. Unlike in other games where you come back and you collect stuff to start something new, here you just come back to, uh, to, to something that is off. Uh, the Valley is the second sort of a unique selling point. It's very similar to Shop Titans by Kabam. Um, You have community buildings that you cooperatively invest resources into to develop. Um, Sad part is every player's village looks exactly the same. And all the players kind of focus on the similar things. And because you can't trade with each other, there's no really special specialization. So you're in a valley and, and other villages are kind of looking the same and doing pretty much the same thing. And the uh, third unique selling points is the research. Uh, this doesn't lead to specialization like in, in many strategy games. So essentially it's it's more like an extra step before you can upgrade your next building, uh, but definitely it could have been something uh, interesting. Now we looked at the what uh, the sort of a, like a product success fa- factors. So in terms of marketability, they don't really get that much push for it because it is a new IP. I don't really find identifiable characters in this game. Uh, but nevertheless, Supercell can, of course, build a brand out of anything. So, but at the moment, it doesn't speak of, of you know, extra high marketability. The monetization relies on different bottlenecks and consumables. There are no sort of assured deals like. You know, extra worker like there was in a Clash of Clans or extra crafting slots where you could put in more workers that would make your progress go faster if you just pay some premium currency. Everything is just consumable, uh, very much you know, favorable to any any designer doing balancing on the game. And then on the retention side, there's a lot of social pressure in this game because as soon as you unlock the valley feature, uh, now now you have to you have to um, you have to do a lot of investments into these central central elements of the game, and then if you are not engaging enough, the, they kick you out of the game, and then you're basically uh, left alone, and you have to go to another valley, and then you again are put into a to a position where you have to invest into common buildings at a threat of getting kicked out, and there's not a very clear aspiration, at least in the beginning, so. You know, in Clash of Clans, there was at least these gobbling battles that were kind of guiding you through before it got you to, to PvP and, and cooperative uh, gameplay. Uh, there's also visually the village was changing a lot. Like you went from uh, this green village to up to purple and dark and so forth. Like you can clearly see how your village is progressing. You can clearly see how your troops are increasing Uh, In power, in uh, in Everdale, you don't really get that visual feedback that you're doing much better. At least when I tap around different villages, nothing kind of like oozes like, oh, I want to be like this village. So as a conclusion, I think, you know, a few of the things that that we think that Everdale should be focusing on fixing. So first of all, kind of delivering on the vision uh, of you can build together in this calm place with other players. Uh, instead instead of this, you know, hyper uh, punishing social appointment system, uh, the game lead actually called it a relaxing and comfortable experience with, with no fear of being attacked. And I don't think the product vision is executed against because, yes, there's no fear of being attacked, but there's constant fear of being kicked out of community, which is... Uh, Arguably even worse for, for in terms of a stress perspective, because he invests into this community and suddenly you're being casted out. So so there is a, a lot of pressure in this game. And and um, yeah, and this the strong peer pressure, you know, where players who are too slow in their grind, they have to either monetize or risk getting casted out from the community. I'm sure this works on the. Uh, monetization side but um but it is quite daunting to play and and definitely not as relaxing as it may seem in the beginning so kind of going to course correction i think three steps would be in my humble opinion uh, helpful first of all would be allowing players to trade and and to specialize um i know that the trading is a scary scary mechanic for anybody balancing these games so i understand why it doesn't exist in this game i understand how much damage it did to heyday's economy but nevertheless i would argue that that's something that players would be very incentivized to do and shit look at nfts for example if if there's you know maybe maybe that can help you with with the trading or you know take some kind of a cut out of how many how, how much players trade with each other but nevertheless i think that would make sense uh specialization as well like any kind of thing that research leads you to choosing between uh two powers would be Or three powers like whether you want to be better at 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 clay or better at making wood i think that should be a choice and not just being both uh number two would be you know making it safe to invest into this valley so at the moment is you invest and if there's anything coming through and you're you're being kicked out of the game and it just feels unfair and, and makes you kind of wonder if you want to continue playing in another valley and start from the beginning making new friends and number three is the uh breaking of the monotonous grind uh, with some kind of a city building element. So, I, I you know, I talked to nauseous about Northgard, but, but that's that game has pushback elements. And I think the pushback elements as well as in SimCity make the city building more interesting. Like there's there are things happening in the game that you have to react to. It's not only like this monotonous grind, just more and more and more resources that you have to deliver or you get kicked out, work, work, work. It's more like, you know, you have to optimize your town. There's, there's things happening. So... Ultimately, I think the idea is really, really cool. Uh, It's an MMO for a very wide, casual audience. And I just think that if Supercell is unable to execute on this, I'm I'm sure uh, somebody else will because it is a great idea. And, you know, the game looks good. It's just not quite there yet. Any opinions, guys? I fell asleep, but um,
2: I would say that... uh... I agree with you that this is actually a great concept, something that I've been talking about for a long time. Um, I don't think the execution is quite good right now, but it looks like they're gonna just keep supporting and keep adding stuff and we'll see if they can make it more compelling. But right now it doesn't look like it's gonna go anywhere in my opinion, but
1: I think it's something to keep keep an eye out. Yeah, yeah this yeah, one's a risky one for SuperZill, right? Like the, the fundamental change to how they, they focus on workers and micromanagement um, makes for very different session design than I'm used to on mobile. It makes it very difficult for me to play it personally. Um, and then on top of that, the the social mechanics, which I feel like is the real strategy for this game, for how it wants to attack the market. What you'd expect is actually it move you know slightly more core, it to have less downloads and to be able to retain those players even better. But the RPI trends don't suggest that that's happening. Um, and that could be that you know RPI is a mixture of retention and monetization and they just don't have the monetization mechanics there and my hope is is that they can see something underlying but it feels like the major value add which is what sold me on this concept of those you know almost 4x level um like map of of collaboration and cooperation um isn't fully realized yet so that's really yeah. what I'd, I'd love for them to be able to focus on and fix um it's just odd that they they chose to do it under the supercell banner versus under the old banner But to be honest, like Supercell does so many of these unorthodox moves and I would definitely see them just continually support this thing in in soft launch until we get that right.
0: Yeah, I I think so too. Have you, um, I forgot what I was supposed to say. Huh? man, I've (laughs) got All
2: right, moving on to nifty games. Okay. The reason this is hitting my radar is first of all, I have a few Kabam friends that I think work there, but also because one of my good friends invested in this company. Um, And uh, also that they have the license for NFL and NBA, which is not easy to get and I think are some of the most under-monetized assets on the store, frankly. uh, Primarily because of EA. Uh, But, so, they have raised another $38 to in their coffers to support their sports-clash mobile games. So, they have two games in soft launch: NFL Clash and NBA Clash. Um, they say in the, in the in the note that most of the money is going to be used to help launch the games. Uh, Peter Moore, who is an executive at EA, who is a cool guy, um, if you ever met him, uh, is joining as a board member. This is a big PR push. Um, they have Vulcan as an investor amongst many others. Um, so. And in the article, it was kind of funny. It's like, this is the kind of, this is, this is a quote from the CEO. He's like, this is, this kind of funding is something that Nifty couldn't have dreamed about when it started in 2018. But since that time, we've gone through a pandemic in which games have seen a huge surge in venture funding boom. So this sums it up. <laughs> and that's about it, right? That There's so much money out there. They're funding anything, it seems, right? So anyway, they have about 40 employees. Um, and they're also like basically said that he was impressed with the the founder's ability to actually get, the nfl so if anybody that doesn't know about the nba and the nfl just quickly on this one right is it not only do you have to do with the nfl association which is the teams, but you have to do the player associations as well so you have to do te- deals with both like they're two different organizations and that's the same with the nba it is an absolute pain in the freaking ass to deal with these people because they really think they are the best thing in the world right they 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 feel like you i mean you have to anyway, it, it it's horrific it's horrific and the rules and restrictions it can be painful anyway all right so what's my take on this well I think again it was impressive that they got all these licenses but the the data does not really support making these games right now I'm sorry to say uh like 309 downloads only 13,000 in revenue Um, and if you pull out Canada it's like 17,000 downloads and 6,000 in revenue and the U.S. is like Thirty-one cent RPI. Now it seems like they are making additions and up, uh, updates to these games, but these games don't look like they can scale or perform extremely well. Um, and I and even with with the license, it's even more expensive, right? So like scaling it with with MUA does not make a whole lot of sense, in my humble opinion. But we will see. You know, maybe they'll use the thirty-eight million rather than investing in these games to do you know a second shot on goal. Um, if, if they can't get these metrics up, which I think is, would be, would be a smart move. But right now it doesn't look like they're going to be able to, you know, take advantage of these amazing licenses that they have. That's kind of my
1: take. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, good timing for them to do it. Right. Obviously off the back of the the EA deal. Um, and I think like this model absolutely works intuitively on paper, adding a license as big as NFL makes sense on top of like the clash world, like you think of golf Mm -hmm. clash that worked because you have a a bag of golf clubs that each one matters, right? And you have to collect those and upgrade those in uh, independently. Same thing with an NFL team, same thing with an NBA team, same thing with a a football team if they ever get more licenses, right? Um, so on paper, it makes sense, but these RPIs suggest that there's execution challenges underneath.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they fundamentally did not execute. Probably the graphics are, Pretty horrendous and exactly. Like I was yeah. about to say, like, have you guys played these games? It's like eight, it's like eight bit shit. Now I didn't I unfortunately I didn't have time to download it because <laughs> I was a little lazy, but uh I just looked at the graphics, I'm like, oh, that's just off putting from the get-go. Like that's gonna
0: hurt just
2: downloads, right?
0: the yeah People are and not app store conversion must be poor because if you put in an ad with uh with a really cool like NFL stuff like what they have on their webpage. You're expecting a high fidelity. You're expecting the uh, the Marvel version of NFL. Like, <laughs> Oh shit, let's go. At least tennis clash, you know. And then yeah, we... golf clash <laughs> and tennis yeah. clash are not bad looking games, you know. Yeah. So. And then you go to the app store page. You're like, wait a minute, is this a hoax? Like, what's going on here?
1: <laughs> the thirty <and> million I've <laughs> been raised off of those execution challenges. Who who raised this? And and I'm assuming that they, they they looked at detail about those challenges.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. That's why that's uh, you know, I'm a little bit surprised that they chased this with 38 million, given where they're at with the um, with the quality of the games, but then also the metrics that they're seeing, because it's just really happened recently. But
0: yeah. are, are they getting just, like, I'm sure, I'm sure my, my buddy's going
2: to call me and give me give me hard time. Yeah, so. yeah but,
0: but let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> if it's only the graphics, and if if the core, if they're happy with their core, I mean, with 38 million, like fuck, hire hire concept art house give it to them and say, you know, put a, put a real spin on this. Like they're, or or any outsourcing partner, like they could, they could get it, you know, tuned up really fast. So it's, if it's only art, then that's not that big of an issue to be honest. But it's RPI too. Right. And that's typically not just fixed with art. Right. Yeah. yeah, I I
1: know. And and if the art is like, what's, what's their CPI? Do they actually have meaningful revenue coming from video ads? Is there some hidden, Hidden aspect to this deal that
0: we're not really aware of yeah like, yeah or maybe they're just banking on the future like these are the first so game like raising
1: are... 53 million to date right like wow all right well you dude, know raise the money dude, raise the money when the, you get hot off
2: the presses dude hot off the presses dude jam city just raised 350 million to buy ludia for 165 million who the fuck is giving them money dude what is going on in this world right i thought we already covered that yeah, and their spec just got blown the fuck up and now they're raising another 350 million
1: oh but didn't they already do that or is this just because the spec no, it, it was the spec
0: it was the spec and and um oh, and the spec okay. didn't go through oh because the spec didn't go raise... through then they said okay no
1: spec but we'll raise money to them by yeah one. but, but we're, we're still we're still, gonna good. Cop still ludia. good for ludia right like i think ludia will yeah, work I, really I, I, well but... in jam city no it's
0: good but
1: okay
2: again Oh, my Lord, we're, we're. Yeah, well, actually, we're going to get into it with the NFT shit, but like we are we are in a different world right now. We're, we're in a different like alternative reality. Yes, we in terms of value are. Value the value
1: of money is. is different than what it was before. Supposedly. <laughs> Just.
2: Um, hey, stop everybody. Everybody's cashing then, out their and then, bitcoins yeah. and
1: then translating that into gaming investments. Ugh.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Before you start with the story, you start with this Axie Infinity stuff. Dude, I have gotten nonstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, bullshit about NFTs these days, NFT, 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 dude, like big people like in this industry are calling me and think asking what they think about NFTs. And I'm like, you know, I don't know shit about NFTs, except that I, 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 I appreciate them. And I think they're interesting. And I think they are a good use of blockchain. But... I have to do some work on this right yeah. and uh and i'm looking forward to get, getting your thoughts mr adam um i feel like i'm in the same boat. i, 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 I honestly I feel like i'm in the baffled. same boat
1: like i <laughs> there's so much happening here that i can't wrap my head around whatsoever it feels like i need a phd in macro and economics to understand what's well, going on here i'm going to give a shout out
2: because uh my buddy uh, mike Tremezzi works at from kabam is working at forte right and i meet with him like a, at least every few weeks, right? Um, I guess we're drinking buddies and he lives close. Right. And so every time we start talking about this shit and I, I swear to God, I, I don't understand half the shit he's talking about. Right. <laughs> so that's why I am like, because it's so complicated and so um, uh, what's the right word. I don't know. It's just, it, Cult-y? it doesn't seem real. <laughs> right. It seems yeah. so fucking cultish on, on across all these yeah. different executions that, you know, there's but we'll so get into many, it.
1: there's so many leaps of faith. That, that whenever you're talking no, to these people, that they just kind of brush over, right? As if it... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. That That's where right. I start so, to, to have issue.
2: I, I think I might have done this on the podcast already, but I'm going to do it again. So, like, two years ago, yeah. I did an interview with him, like a, 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 a panel type thing. And we were just having this dialogue about it. And I, what I basically said then is what I kind of still believe now is that... It's a, it's a chicken and the egg thing. You need to build the content that takes advantage of the blockchain. You can't just put blockchain on top of fucking content, right? You can't put blockchain on World of Warcraft or whatever. And, and, and what we're waiting is for the killer app. And so now we're starting to see these killer apps getting built, but they are fucking come, come out and get crushed. You know, it's like there's nothing being sustained, you know? And so, like... This is what i i i continue to be concerned about whether or not these marketplaces are, are sustainable and the amount of money that's being pushed into them is, is fucking nuts but anyway yeah. i'll let you continue because you have given this a little bit more thought than i have um and then i'll i'll, I'll follow up with my
1: i'm assuming that no, we're thoughts. in in terms of technology right we're in the stage of overhype right that that second stage where you get this, you reach this adoption level, but it's overhyped and there could be a correction, right? Um, But anyways, let's go into the article.
0: Now let's take a little break from all these news and talk about consultants.
2: You know, one of my biggest triggers in gaming is consultants. These big firms think they can manage game making with PowerPoints. They are literally the destroyers of studios. Don't get me wrong. It's not that these folks aren't smart. They're some of the smartest and highly educated people in the world. But they lack two key things passion for games and industry experience to put it simply they lack context one area that context is absolutely critical is consumer insights as the name implies you are trying to understand your customer and gain keen insights by asking the right questions without the right context it's almost impossible to be successful the big ci firms fall into the same trappings just because a firm has gamers on staff doesn't mean they know how to, what it takes to build and ship successful games Need to work in the industry to really understand the challenges and agony that studio and marketers have to go through to bring a product to market that's why i recommend beta hat stan kwan and his team at beta hat have deep experience in the industry that provides the context needed for actionable insight stan's own experience includes 15 years within the gaming industry leading strategic functions at ea Gamespot, and ubisoft other research firms package up gaming and entertainment bucket or use like these old methods from packaged goods industries gaming is different for game CI, you need to understand what people play, where people play, how they play, and why they play. You need to understand console, mobile, free-to-play, software as a service, subscription models. Whether it's consumer segmentation, brand tracking, concept testing, conjoint analysis, or focus testing, Stan and his team have the context to deliver exceptional insights into the gaming customer. Please reach out to Betahat by visiting their website at betahatmr.com, that's b-e-t-a-h-a-t-m-r.com. And now- Back to the episode.
1: Actually, I'm kind of merging three here. There's one which is Axie Infinity reaching one point two billion in any annualized revenue, has now overtaken Candy Crush's 2020 total revenue. Um, as well, there was a documentary called Pay to Earn talking about NFT gaming in the Philippines, and a number of articles looking into Axie Infinity and whether or not it's sustainable. So the reports are now saying that Axie Infinity has made roughly 850 million in revenue in august note that is not trading volume uh, which sometimes gets conflated this is actual revenue to the developer i don't know if that's gross i don't know if that's net um but it's comparing that against candy Crush's 2020 uh uh, estimates anyways this is the point where like critics like me have to gut check our assumptions on this market right because i honestly i can't wrap my, my head around it it still feels like a giant pump and dump scheme there's so many of these nfts that i'm looking on online that people are going for thousands of dollars, and it just looks like junk, right? On top of the, the, the weird things of of how much value can you associate with a digital asset, you're only giving value to the blockchain address. Anyways, you've also got things like NBA Top Shots, um, Off It's High, and pump and dump schemes like GameStop, right? Like There's just been so much of this happening that it's really difficult to pull this all together. And then look, there's obviously a massive crowd of people willing to play NFT games. And this game in particular Axie, is a meh strategy collectible game. Um, but like it, it's, it's better than any NFT game before. But overall, like my LinkedIn is going nuts with people now saying that the tipping point has happened, right? This is now a real thing. We've reached mass adoption. 850000000 million can't be ignored in a single month. So I did it. I dove in. And I watched a documentary because I been playing this. <laughs> you're, so, you're so brave. Yeah, I'm so, so brave, brave. brave. I watched a documentary well, on YouTube. Why do not you buy some shit, dude? <laughs> I'm not going to spend a ton of money. Like, what, what is it? Like $700 to enter into this market? I'm not going to do that. You got your kid's college fund, right? No. That's
2: what this is. That's for, right? Making these
1: investments, (laughs) these really smart, prudent investments. Uh, Maybe when the price goes down, maybe I'll I'll buy into something like this or I'll check out the next rising one. But anyways, just watching Twitch, watching YouTube, like this documentary, I definitely recommend watching because, look, it's obviously biased, but it's just... Interesting, right? Like goes into why Philippines is really their number one market. I think it's something like 40% of their revenue and 40% of the players. The fact that the Philippines
2: is, is number one market is frightening in and of itself. Yeah. Dude, that, that economy is absolutely tiny. Right? And, and, okay. and like, look,
1: like basically they're talking about how a lot of the early adopters in the Philippines, when they bought in at something like $5 per Axie, are now full-time workers, right? Earning something like 700 to to $1,000 per month. Um, earning that soft currency within the game that can then be cashed out for that much money. and that's playing the game as their job, right? That's great. Um, and especially during the pandemic when a lot of shops shut down, that's that's great to hear. It's just such a weird video and actually about halfway through it starts to feel like I'm watching a cult video or like a pyramid pyramid sales like sales pitch. but for like Gen Z, it's weird. it's just weird it's basically like how people are being lifted out of poverty playing nft games which is great but now the entry price has reached too high that they're setting up Axie universities which pay the entry fee for people to come in they pay the 700 plus dollars to get into the game and then profit off of those players engagement and that starts to feel like a pyramid scheme to me right and comparing this video, I think, to, to a recent post, which is on, um, is actually sustainable. It makes the point that the value of Access tokens are really just tied to the influx of new players. Because as you'd expect, there's basically like a finite set of characters that are actually required to compete in PvP. It's the same thing in most uh, games, right? Like proc gen of gameplay impacting assets doesn't really exist, doesn't really create any sort of fair system. And from Jeffrey Serlin, who's Axie's growth lead, the quote comes from an interview, like as long as there are new players outnumbering the number of current players, you can make that money back at $700 in two months, which again, <laughs> smells like a pyramid scheme. The article yeah. then points to Axie <laughs> like ne- the definition needing of to shift to a real game, that's fun, with intrinsic value to players besides just earning money which goes against pay to earn, right? Still saying pay to earn can be an incremental gain, but should not be the core focus of the game. And that the monetization of NFT should shift to scalable assets, like virtual land and cosmetics, which to be honest, I can not agree with. Like I think Proc Gen and cosmetics can absolutely exist in an economy, but this type of system doesn't really work. And also points to articles by the SEC that have said they're actively looking into Sky Mavis, which is the company behind uh, Axie Infinity, as they lack the license to conduct any regulated activity in the Philippines. Um, like in general, this looks like there should be legislation coming down on it. I don't know if there will, I don't know when, but it feels weird. Uh, obviously I have a ton of gaps in knowledge about NFTs and blockchain games that I need to get educated on. Um, we should absolutely bring back Ethan um, because I think like 850 million in revenue just cannot be ignored. And I think like in general, my position is still that we are in this hype phase that is due for correction, but that doesn't mean that the technology will go away. Creature collection RPGs, perfect fit for blockchain game, gaming. And I think, I feel strongly that cosmetic economies even built on existing retaining games like Fortnite are actually right for blockchain. So I, I counter Eric's point there. I, I believe CSGO has already proven that you can build effective cosmetic economies that are driven by a marketplace on top of an existing game that is fun. So it just feels like engagement and value are tied to a positive feedback loop, which is hype, and to the point that earn to play breaks the play experience, the game experience. When you have to pay 700 bucks to even get in the thing, and when the reason you're playing is just for resale value. Or really what's going to happen is as soon as there is a shiny new token in town, people will shift to whatever game is most profitable to them. So the question becomes, like, is this actually a sustainable business model? Um, that's still what I'm scratching my head about.
2: Yeah, I, again, NFTs are just hot, hot, hot right now. You know, our, our Slack channel has been overloaded with NFT stuff. <laughs> like, let's put this shit in another channel, dude. Um, <laughs> but I get. But at the end of the day, like, you know, we there's all. I, actually, I was reading the article that you posted, and, and it's just a. It, it is a total like meme. You know, it's like this guy who is involved with this NFT uh, is pumping this thing up, right? And talking about, th- the first thing is, annualizing a run rate for th- after 30 days is just not smart at all, right? Like that is a clear like manipulation of data. Whether or not that data is real, I don't even know well, to be well, honest. Well, keep but in, mind, keep in
1: is- mind what they're talking about. 850 million in one month, right? Which is August. I think that's already a data point we should take. The whole like comparison to Candy Crush's year rate, like yeah, they had this massive spike at the end, the 850 million. Before that point, they had the revenue was nowhere close to that, right? But if you do look no, no, at the no, trailing no. twelve versus the the twelve months that they're comparing to Candy Crush, yeah, it's
2: comparing. no, no. They're saying that within the last thirty days, they're on a run rate to do 850 million. Is that it? Or 1.2 billion? Yes, I, I think that's the way, the way it reads to me. But but again, like I. I regardless of what the data is, I don't believe anything that they're saying, to be honest, but like, but if you look at NBA top shot, when things are going well, of course we see all these announcements and stuff. They did like 230 million in gross sales in, in February, right? Which of, of which they took 5%. This is the top shot, right? So that's $138 million run rate, you know, at that time for top shot. And they raised 250 million at a value of 2.6 billion at the time. Right? so, and, and that made sense because their run rate was amazing. But monthly revenue fell from 230 to 53, down 76 by June. So, and then 34 in July, right? So run rate went from 138 million to 20 million for their revenue. So it's like, yeah, you could do all the run rates you want, right? But that, and now the company, I think is worth over 4 billion or something insane, Right. And so with TopShot, there was all kinds of structural issues. The website was crashing, transactions weren't going through. And the big thing was that you couldn't take the money out, right? So there were like some, they were claiming some fraud detection thing, right? But that's bullshit, right? It took 21 days to 40 days to get your money out of this whole system, right? With relatively significant fees. So it was an artificial economy driven by lack of liquidity more than anything, right? So that was just total horseshit, but we don't see any coverage of that. All we saw was the, you see coverage about like the 250 million or 230 million gross sales they did the first, first month, right? Yeah, which is, so, which,
1: to be honest, c- comes back to the beginning of the podcast. We have to be very clear about what investments we go into because it's we can't be hypocritical of the types of articles that we're, we're covering here, right? Where they're basically propping up Axie, propping up NBA top shots because most of the writers here are in those ecosystems, right? Um, yeah, we, we, we can fall victim to this just... I don't months.
2: write any of this shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is bullshit, dude. This is total horseshit. And Axie Infinity is going to be the same thing. Like, who's going to be left holding the bag? It is It is a total Ponzi scheme in a lot of ways. Right? All right. So, again, I am a believer in NFTs. I believe in digital ownership of items. I think that is a very, 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 very big opportunity. Right? But a lot of this stuff is crazy and cultish in its in its execution, and it's more of of, of the blo- Bitcoin type folks as opposed to actually people designing and developing real ecosystems, you know that, that that are real, right? It's just extremely unstable. It seems like it's built that way, you know. But this shit is happening, and so what I. I, because everyone's gotten so goddamn interested in it I'm going to do a little bit of diligence on my own and talk to some people that are kind of experts out there that are they're doing it including my buddies at, at uh, um Forte uh and, and they have the rally token I guess uh, but we'll see what's real and what 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 how much of this hype is actually sustainable you know you know over over the long term but again I just want to be clear like well, I'm Digital ownership makes sense to me. Like owning digital assets, I think, is something that is intrinsically interesting from the consumer perspective and and executing against that is going to be very, very, quote unquote, lucrative. But the way these things are going right now is it's all it's all speculative. It's not it's not it doesn't seem to be real businesses. So but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these are the this is what it looks like for first movers in this space. You know, so I don't know. Yeah. Any other
1: thoughts, Adam? I don't think you should be coming a twig for NFT news, <laughs> obviously, we're the old guys in the room being like, what the hell is going on <laughs> on the ground floor? No. I don't so, know. I I
0: feel like I feel like I feel like there's a lot of money going into this. And that's why all the products that are coming to the market are just too fast to the market. And there's and because we haven't seen till this date that these games can actually generate significant revenue. A lot of so-called serious game developers haven't really invested into NFTs and and haven't been making the push or or they are by now, but their products are not yet out. So we're kind of seeing the first iterations of the products coming out with NFTs that don't really make that much sense, but they are just the only ones in the market. And that's why they're succeeding. And that's why their lifetime is so short. But I think in the future, I'm, I'm as bullish as you guys about NFT. I think it just needs a little bit of a time for more. Um, you know, seasoned developers to come in with products that actually make sense, where the NFT is is a crucial part of of the whole whole economy. I still feel I
1: feel like I, the I, NFT portion can be cosmetic and optional. Like when we yeah. say like it has to be part of the core, like I think this can exist in a Fortnite ecosystem where the gameplay is fun and retaining on its own. There's live content there pulling players mm-hmm. back, but cosmetics is the the one system that NFTs touch which then is scalable and valuable, yeah. given how much engagement the base game gets. But,
0: but you would have to have some kind of a trading then, then in Fortnite, for example, like if you earn certain skin, then you should be able to also sell it. And then when you sell it, then Epic would take a cut out of that sale. Yeah, that's, that's literally how CSGO and PUBG have on Steam. Yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, this is part of what my diligence is gonna to try to be, but the legal implications of that are something that these big publishers can't do. Right. Mm-hmm. you're cashing out, I mean that's a, that's a that is mm-hmm. an issue. Yeah. This is exactly how CS goes how into they operate. All the,
1: that hot water when you know they had loot boxes yeah. then, in their you know, game and people also, were gambling on those loot boxes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, big fish, you know, did the same shit. Yeah. So at the end of the day it's like um, you know, this is this was the point that they said when I was like kind of pushing back on this NFT things, he's like, well, dude, this is what people said about mobile, you know, free to play. It was never going to take off. I'm like, no, no, no. I wasn't saying that at all back then. I mean, I'm not, I'm not was it a naysayer on free to play, dude. I'm saying like there's no rules. <laughs> it's like, there's no rules on this. this. This like, like total pump and dump shit. You know, like these articles that are written are, are nuts, you know? And so um, anyway, I'll do more work on it. Maybe I'll have some kind of rant or some kind of investigated journalism going on here um, on what, 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 how about this more on the, the idea here, what's the angle, what's the future of this? Like, what does it look like when it is established players that are actually building ecosystems that are actually sustainable instead of like, you know, go up to like a gajillion dollars and then come down to zero within like two months, you know, like, what does that look like in the vision of these, entrepreneurs, because these guys at, 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 at Forte have been doing it for years, right? This is not like they've been building these tools and technologies for years now. So they must have some kind of idea what, they, what the yeah. end, you know end game looks like. So
0: yeah, we'll the, the thing is that they don't know games. And that's why that's why I think it's just it's not clicking yet, but I think it's just a matter of time. But, but like Forte G- has got uh, a lot of exkaban, right? Very smart. People. Yeah, they have some gamers.
1: Yeah. Okay well
0: let's see oh uh, right, I, I gotta definitely hop. have them on the podcast and and discuss these type of stuff so yeah let's, let's do that but let's end this podcast we're on a time schedule we made it inside an hour and how about this for the exit exit for <laughs> exit wheat so thank you for tuning in hope you enjoyed the podcast if you did please do share and comment we appreciate all feedback and it helps with the algorithms. And remember, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Deconstructor Fun, signing out. <laughs> uh, that was horrific. That was, that was <laughs> absolutely <laughs> horrific.